Greetings, traveller. Come, join me. Sit in the circle of the firelight. This week's episode is going to be slightly different in that it will still be a story episode, but we're not reading from the Norse myths and sagas this time. This time, just for a bit of a break from the Norse myths and sagas, because we've done quite a few of them, I'm instead going to my book on Icelandic folk tales. Part of this is because I'm finding quite a few inaccuracies that I'm not quite satisfied with in the book that I read. Especially in how they treat Loki, it's very obvious that the book's done through a Christianized lens. But also, I I kind of feel it important to look at other areas that had influences from the Vikings because sometimes you can see these influences and be able to trace them back to the original Viking mythos and the Viking, the Norse people as they would have been. So this week we are reading a story called Herding Mice. Now, I'm certain as ever that my pronunciation is going to be absolutely horrendous, but we shall do our best. So, are you sitting comfortably? Have you got yourself a drink? Then, let's begin. Herding Mice from Icelandic Folk Tales by Hjólaifa Helgi Stefansson. Stramfjordjör is... A magical place. It is a fjord in West Iceland with yellow sandy beaches and hundreds of skerries, small rocky islands, in the waters, some visible, others lurking just below the surface at high tide. It is home to seals and seabirds in their thousands, incredible nature and good people. Those skerries have claimed a hefty toll through the ages as Stramfjordsjö was settled a long time ago and those who have lived there have both rowed and sailed in all weathers as part of their daily life and survival. Very good fishing grounds are outside of the fjord, and trout swim between the skerries in the spring. The landway to the farmstead is long and very boggy, and on top of that flooded during high tide, as the farm sits on an island. This remarkable place was a merchant site for the royal area of Mjaja from the 17th century, with big vessels from Denmark making port in the strait, formed by an island just off the coast. Ruins of great houses line the beach along the strait to this day and tell the often grim story of the relationship between the humble farm folk and the wealthy and sometimes ruthless merchant class. A grand villa was built there in the 19th century to house a store and the merchant's family but was taken apart and moved to serve as a rectory when the trade moved to the town of Borgnes. Long before any of that, there lived a fine woman in Stramfjordor by the name of Halla. Not much is known about her beginnings. In fact, they have always been somewhat shrouded in mystery. Some say Halla was the sister of a well-known lady of deep knowledge, Ellen, the witch of Ellen Hjofar. It was whispered that the sisters had gained their knowledge by attending a school that taught more than the average one, but was extremely difficult to locate. Some say it is in the middle of the Black Forest in what is now Germany, while others claim that it is in Lapland, where all the most powerful magic in the world stems from. It was believed that in order to gain access to the school, the pupils had to choose between themselves, one to stay behind each year and serve the master of the school for eternity. The two sisters were not only the ones famous for attending the school, for so also had Samyoda the wise long before them, but that is a different story altogether. No one knows anything about this school for certain, and should you like to attend it, you will have to do your own research. What we do know is that Halla lived in Stromfjordor and was both wealthy and wise. 
She was much respected in the area and was known for her generosity and kindness, but she could be as hard as the scaries themselves if she got angry or felt she was being mistreated. Halla had many people working on her farm, both family and workers. She had people fishing and she had people farming, and her farm was both a big one and a prosperous one. As was the custom of the time, the produce of the farm was delivered to the nearest merchant, who in return sold Halla items and food imported and not available available by other means. The closest one to her at some time at the time was some two days ride away in Snarefellness, and he was a cheap and petty fellow. A poor farmer and a good friend of Halla had recently brought the merchant some very fine products, such as top quality wadmal, thick and warm fabric woven from the wool of his sheep. The merchant had taken all of the excellent fabric and then made up a big debt that the farm was supposed to be in, which was far from the truth. The poor man had to ride home with nothing and came to Halla in his despair to plead to her those wrongdoings. It seems we will need to teach him a lesson, she said. But for now, I can help you out with what you need. If you want to help me in return, you can join my workers who are about to start swinging the size. When you are done here, I will send two men with you to help gather your own hay. The incredibly lush hay fields on the island and in the wetlands on the shore were thick and tall and ready to be cut and dried. Her friend happily agreed to the deal as it was a very generous offer indeed. He paired with four others and they prepared to leave to begin the cutting. Now, listen to me, gentlemen, spoke Halla before handing them each a scythe, two tents and provisions. You are to cut down the whole nest out by Greystone. You are to cut from morning till night and be done in four days' time. Each night, as you stop cutting, you are to place the scythe on the stone and head for your tents, and your scythe will await you sharpen in the morning. None of you is to look at the scythe before dawn, nor into the edge of the blade, or you will have to deal with me. With that, she sent them off to work. When the men started cutting, they were astonished at how sharp the sides were. They sliced the thickest sedge like the blade was glowing and the sedge made of butter. They stayed that way from the first cut of the morning till the last stroke of the evening, and the men made sure to do what Halloran had ordered. That is, until the youngest in the pack had had enough. His curiosity burned and gnawed him all day long, and on the morning of the third day, as he was picking up his scythe, he looked into the edge of it. He let out a yelp of disgust and fright as he realised that the blade of his scythe was a man's rib, loosely tied to the wooden shaft. Immediately the other scythes lost their form and revealed the ribs and it became clear that not much cutting would be done with these strange tools. That same day, Hallow had been pondering her friend's troubles with the merchant. It was a foul thing he had done and not for the first time either. He had even cheated Hallow herself and talked down her quality products every time she brought him her goods to sell. She, however, had an idea on how to bring that man to his senses. She decided to consult with her sister, Asta, who was wise and sharp as the scythes in her man's, men's hands. Halla had a special place on the highest point of the cliff that faced the open waters outside her house. Whenever she needed her sister's advice, or simply wanted to chat with her, she sat herself down on the edge of the cliff and said softly, Can you talk, sister dear? Her sister had a place not unlike Halla's on her farm, and would reply immediately were she not too busy. The two sisters could just thus enjoy conversation across the Bay of Faxafloy, and often did, even though it was a two-day crossing on a ship with four sails. Asta replied that day, and they spoke for a long time. They were good friends, and Halla always felt like a load had been lifted off her shoulders whenever the two of them had enjoyed a conversation. 
They agreed on the merchant being taken down a peg as well, as Asta joining her sister to gather the hay being cut. They could feel approaching rain in their joints. They said their goodbyes with love, both looking forward to their meat. When Halla was just about to head back home, she saw one of her workers returning from the nest. Finished already, are you? What mighty reapers I have in my service to finish a four-day cutting in only two. The young man looked at the toes of his leather shoes with his hands clutched together. I know what you did and what you saw, you fool. Go to the smithy and fetch five sides, little man. Do not forget the sharpening stone as these are a bit more conventional and you need to do your own sharpening from here on. The young man muttered something underneath his breath and turned to the smithy. He did not return to his fellow workers until nightfall and they began cutting bright and early the next day. The sides were of good quality and bit fairly well but needed constant sharpening and bit nothing close to the ones they had before. However, they were strong fellows and used to the job at hand so they finished in two days time and returned home. By the time they returned, Asta's ship had just landed. The two sisters greeted each other lovingly as they had not met for a long time. The men were restless. As clouds of rain were beginning to approach land and they knew it would rain all too soon. They wanted to begin the tying and gathering as it would take days to transport all the ho- hay on, that hay on horses. They all met by the well. The men had chopped and dug the previous summer and enjoyed the cold and crisp water from the bucket. Do not worry about that hay. Our sisters are taking care of those few straws. Few straws, the men said and felt somewhat indignant. It took us a day to cut that and it is going to rain into the ground if we do not start hauling it home right away, said the oldest of the men. Halla looked at him with fire in her eye. Remember your place, my good man. Step inside all of you and eat what you fancy from the pantry. Drink ale and rest, but do not dare to come out of the house until I let you. She turned to her sister. Shall we? And the two of them headed for the hayfix. The men reluctantly went inside, but soon found happiness in the pantry and in the massive barrel of ale Asta had brought on her ship. They ate and they drank and did so happily, all but the young man who had looked in the edge of his scythe. He was restless and felt the others to be stupid and docile. He ate little and he ate fast, and then went out the door to have a look at what was going on outside. He was shocked and afraid to discover that the door was as if nailed shut and could not be budged. He tried looking round it but saw nothing until he noticed a crack in the wood itself. He bowed down and peered out of the crack with one eye and immediately found himself stuck to the door with his arse sticking out into the tunnel, the hallway into the house, much to his fellow workers' amusement. That is what you get for not trusting Hala! And they roared with laughter as they searched for the bottom of the barrel. What the young man saw, however, quite a sight. He could make out Aster standing in the big pit with the stone walls where the hay was traditionally gathered and kept for winter. Halla was nowhere in sight, but the biggest bales of hay he had ever seen now began to appear as if being blown by the wind on the horizon. They landed one by one in the pit, carefully guided by Aster until the pit was more than full. In fact, the stack of hay reached far above the highest row of stones, such was the amount of hay. Halla herself came riding the last bale like a horse. She opened the door of the farmhouse and said, Your curiosity and devotion is admirable, young man. I like your devotion, my friend. With that, he was free, and she put him and the rest of the men to work cutting turf to cover the stack of hay. As soon as the last strip of turf was placed on the heap, it started raining. As soon as the rain cleared, some day later, Halla sent two men to a friend as she had promised to gather his hay for the winter. The sisters enjoyed each other's company for a few days until it was time for Aster to head home. Halla turned to a young worker once more. You and I are going to ride to Snaresfellness. 
to deposit some well-chosen goods with the deer merchant. Prepare six horses for the trip and make sure they are ready in two days. Fasten new horseshoes and make sure the carriers are unbroken and in good condition as their burdens will be heavy. The young man did as his mistress ordered, keen on not receiving more unusual punishments and to make up for his mistake earlier. When all was ready, he informed Haller. Go, pack your own things and meet me here when you are ready to travel, she said, and took the reins of all six horses. She tied each to the next one's tail, and when the young man came back with his gear, each of the six horses was standing under bursting packs. Behind them stood twelve weathers, castrated rams, gloriously fat and covered with thick wool from head to tail. Off we go, said Haller, and led the way with the horses and the weathers, following in a straight line as if under a spell. Halla had two sons, and it so happened that they passed the farm of her eldest one. They arrived there around nightfall, and Halla was ever so glad to see her son. Mother dear, he said with a grin as she got off her horse. Unusually hard are the packs you carry to the merchant this time. Shut up, boy. It seems I've taught you a bit too much. They spent the night in good company and set off early the next day. They reached the merchant at midday and untied the packs and carried them into the storehouse. Big loads of butter, lard and wadmal were pop- unpacked under the merchant's nose. And not even that old ram could re- refuse that. The quality of it all was superb. Halla returned home that very same day with Brennavin and coffee, meal and sugar, leather and ale and many other goods. When a short while had passed, the merchant sent his errand boy to stack what Halla had brought and get it on the ship. The boy was shocked to say the least when he found nothing but a pile of rocks in the storehouse and twelve mice huddled in the pen where they had left the goods. That treacherous hag, screamed the merchant. Get in the saddles, boys. We are going to bring her to justice or to death. They rode off with the merchant leading, angry as a wasp in the mug. As soon as Halla noticed they were being followed, she smiled and said to her companion, Little did he like the mice of Stramfordia. And as soon as she let the words go, they were covered in the thickest fog the young man had ever seen. He could hardly make out the horse in front of him and felt uneasy. Do not worry, lad. The horses know the way and the merchant will learn his lesson. He would rather lay down and die than admit to being tricked by a woman, said Halloran, had trouble hiding her giggles. And she was right. The merchant soon turned round with his tail between his legs. He made his men swear not to mention any of this to a living soul for the rest of their lives. He was less than happy whenever Halloran appeared at his store from there on, but at least he was a little fairer towards the dependent on his handling. As for Haller and a worker, they came home to Stranfjordur with everything ready for winter. The pantry was filled to the roof with what they had brought home as well as the abundance of the food already smoked, dried, pickled and salted. The following spring, Haller and her young worker were married and it was said she had spent the winter teaching him a thing or two about the world not all of us get to see and live. She lived for many more years and when she passed away, she was buried in a mound just a stone's throw away from her house. Today she still rests to this day, and the mound is called Holudois, or Hala's Mound. Several place names in Stramfjordjör bear witness to the time when she lived. Even the well she had chopped in the bedrock is still there, and the water just as fresh. I will let you guess the name of the well. It is, however, unfortunately time for us to bring this smaller episode to an end i'd love to know as ever any feedback you have for it whether you liked going having a break from norse myths and legends please feel free to drop me an email if that's the case and please i'm asking you 
If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It helps immensely for other people to find this podcast. And if you, it also gives me vital feedback as to how I can improve. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to drop a Kofi, do feel free to. And likewise, if you'd like to join the Discord, again, the link is above. If you'd like to find me on all my other places, you will find the link again above. It's HTTPS RobinKyrie.com. But until next time, Traveller, may your path be smooth and may your road be straight, or at least be a road that will teach you many new things. Go with peace in your heart and go with mindfulness and awareness of your surroundings. And may we meet again under the last oak tree of the forest in the circle of the firelight. Until next time, farewell. <laughs>